What's been going on, brother? Man, you know, just trying to survive, man. You know, trying to progress uh, mentally, financially, emotionally, spiritually, just as a person, as a whole, you know. I don't think that we've ever actually had like a proper interview that's been put out like that. You know what I'm saying? We've talked about ourselves on the radio or, uh, you know, you might have talked about yourself on Listen, Vi- Listen Vision or, you know, when we was out Baltimore, different things like that. But like, I don't think, you know, nobody's ever had an in-depth interview on you. And since I know you, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think I know, you know, all the right questions to ask. So you you, you don't mind doing that, yeah? <laughs> I feel kind of stale a little bit. <laughs> I mean, just relax. You know what I'm saying? Like, this probably going to get deleted. We just trying this out right now. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, first of all, man, you know what I'm saying? Where were you born? Where you grew up, man? I was born uh, in West Palm Beach County. Okay. Florida. And what year was that? 1988. 88. So, what was going on in Palm Beach County, Florida in 1988, bro? Um, well, Biggie Small said in 88, Kane had root with half-stepping. Hmm. So... Ain't no half-stepping must have been out. Big Daddy Kane. Shout out Big Daddy Kane, 88. Okay. Dude, what was your earliest memories of uh, Florida in 1988 or the early 90s? I mean, uh, I moved from Florida to D.C., actually. So, as soon as you was born, your parents just, like, moved y'all to D.C.? No, no. I came to D.C. when I was, like, four. Okay. And uh, we live in a drug-infested neighborhood. Called, uh, I think it was called Tiffany Lakes in West Palm Beach. Okay. So. And someone someone ran in our house. Somebody ran in your house in uh-huh. Florida? Running from the police. And uh, my mom was like, that's it. I got to get out of here. And my brother was a heavyweight boxer at the time. And he was doing really good in D.C. And my dad started working at uh, Reagan National Airport at the time. And he came and started being a sky cap. This is before they put uh, wheels on luggage. It was a guy that was called a sky cap, and he would carry the luggage from the plane to your to your to your shuttle gate, or from your shuttle gate to the plane. So your dad was already—I mean, your brother was already in D.C. before y'all moved to D.C. Right. How, how did your brother find out about this area? Well, like I said, he was boxing. So uh-huh. at the time, Florida wasn't a big, big, big boxing place. Right. Cities like Philadelphia, D.C., New York, Chicago, New Jersey, uh-huh. up north. Those are big boxing places. So he left Florida to come up to D.C. At the time, you had people like Sugar Ray Leonard right? Um, in the 80s that was from D.C. People like Chop Chop. So you have a lot of famous names coming out of D.C. for boxing. So my brother came up first. So did he tell your folks about the area when he when he came up here? Yeah, he was like, the White House is here. Oh, okay. So my mom was like, oh, the White House, then it's going to be nice. Okay, and so y'all moved out here and your dad got a job at the airport. Yeah. That's crazy, man. My dad worked at the airport. I don't know what year that was. It was in the 80s. It was like the mid to late 80s. I, I wonder if my dad knew your dad at that time. Yeah. He worked, I think he worked on... Was it before or after the 14th Street Bridge was hit by that plane? Shit, yeah. Remember when that 14th Street Bridge was hit by a plane? That was yeah. 1986. So when y'all came here, did y'all fly here or did y'all drive here? We came here in a Volkswagen Bug. God damn. <laughs> did yeah. that you don't have AC? 
No. <laughs> oh man. And I remember the, the we loaded. How many of y'all came up here? Like the, five the of us. And my dad loaded the car up so much, it started like dragging. And he took a plywood and stuck it up in the spring of the car, mm. so that the suspension would raise up. Like, like real talk, man. Like I come from the dirt, poor, 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 poor. Okay. You know, like for real, poor. So where did y'all move to when y'all came out here? Uh, Wingate, Wingate Towers. Wingate, that sounds familiar. Where does that? Good Hope Road, Southwest. Okay. Wingate. What's your earliest memories of that? That chair on Good Hope Road. My mom took me down the street. Oh, the big chair? That big chair right there, yeah. Oh, okay. Man. You probably thought that was like an amusement park. Man, or some that shit was, I was, like I said, I came from the South. That was like, oh. That was like Disney World. I mean, not Disney World, but it was like Kings Dominion or something. Like, it was a sight to see. Yeah. So, when you came out here, you know, it's almost like uh, you probably wasn't in school yet when you was in Florida. So, like, but you probably, you know, had like that Florida vibe with you. You know what I'm saying? Because that's how y'all was raised. Mm -hmm. So, how did the people react to you when you came out here? The people that was from here. People made fun of us a lot because... We didn't know what Bama's was when we came here. So okay. we didn't know that polo shirt was tight and khakis was cool with Jordans. We we didn't know. So we was liable to come out the house with basketball shorts and a church shirt on and some sandals. And that was hot. Like, that was dope. Uh -huh. Or some Reeboks or some Felots, you know. We didn't know nothing about Jordans or, uh, you know, expensive Nikes and New Balance and um, things like Averex at the time that was tight and first down jackets and hobo and Matt. We didn't know. We was Bamas. Well, you were pretty, pretty quick witted individual, you know what I'm saying? So when did john john developed as, as far as being that quick-witted individual because you know you now you know what i'm saying you're jonah bam out like with the quickness so how did that were you always funny like that at a at an early age or did you have to like was it like still sharp and still like you had to get joned on out here in in order for you to develop that ability to just like fry somebody ass up or yeah because I learned that words hurt people and that the quicker you can get with the program and hurt somebody, it was a clear message to everybody. Like I didn't I didn't I, I didn't have a lot of places and outlets to go as as a young young child, like from the age eight all the way up to eighteen. Okay. I didn't I wasn't I wasn't in Cub Scouts, I wasn't in the book club, I, I wasn't allowed to go to Grandma Readers. Right. So I had no choice but to hang out in the hood. So I hung out at the barbershop. I hung out at Dave's Carryout. Okay. I hung out on Forson Road. I hung out on Seven Woods Drive. And that's the type of talk you hear on the street. Motherfucker this, you know, after that. And yeah, yeah. nigga, you ain't got this. And boy, look at your Tims and look at your jeans and look at your shirt. So I learned quick that if I could make fun of people, then people would leave me alone. And uh, I picked it up real quick. So, what's your earliest memories of here? Was it the Jonin? Uh -uh. Was it the... Go-Go music. 
Okay. So what did you think when you first heard go go music? Because coming from Florida, you probably was like, What the fuck is it? Like, did you like it? Or? I loved it. So it, it, as soon it. as you heard it, you loved it. I loved it. I knew this is somewhere I wanted to stay for the rest of my life. Why why did you why do you think that you gravitated towards it so easily? Well, I grew up in church a majority of my life. So I grew up listening to the drummer and the keyboard player and then somebody screaming on the mic, you know. If you look at Gogo, it's real similar to church. It's real similar to reggae, too. We got a lot of Jamaican people and Haitian people in Florida. Okay. So, but when I heard it, it was like, woo. Like, I was just excited. It was like the energy, like seeing the call and response from the lead mic to the audience, you know. Hey, hey, hey. Then everybody respond. It was like church. Do you remember the first time that you actually, like, either went to a go-go or a go-go type party it was 1996 and junkyard band was playing um at the, the swimming pool in gum springs it was 96 uh-huh i'll never forget it it was 1996 well i didn't even know you was out there in 96 yeah i was out <laughs> to there be man. Honest with you. i was a little person i was a little kid but anybody that really know me will tell you that I hung out late. I was out late and up early you know before what? anybody. I kind of think I do remember. Was your whole family out there? My sister. Your dad and everybody? I don't know if my dad was I there. I think your dad was out there. I think I, I do remember seeing, you know what I'm saying, you there, which is crazy. I mean, yeah, it wouldn't be far-fetched. I mean, those... Those events, everybody came. Everybody. I mean, right. the whole neighborhood came. They was frying fish. They were selling dinners. They were selling rugs. They were selling vases, purses, right. cotton candy. I mean, t-shirts. T-shirts. At that time, <laughs> stuff like that was in. People really <laughs> well, spent well, you money can't with touch this on the front. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. That was the jumps. They had the uh, Aaliyah shirts. Wasn't that '96? Aaliyah died. Yeah, they had them shirts, you know, that okay. had, like, Tupac on the front. Tupac, and, Biggie, and yeah. they had Bugs Bunny might be rolling a J, or uh-huh. um, the Spanish dudes used to wear the jump with Jesus with the lowriders. <laughs> that was the time. Yeah. yeah, you know, Bamas used to wear a hoodie and then put a T-shirt on top of it, you know what I'm saying, and pull the hood out through the top, put the rubber bands on the, on the, on the ankle part of your jeans, you know what I'm saying? Bamas used to wear the Mortal Kombat hats from from Kings Dominion, the uh, the straw jump. Yeah, okay, that that's crazy that you remember that. You know I know that was '96 at, at a young age. You know, it, you know, you had the sombrero. Even you was rocking that jump. You know, because it was hot outside and you was rocking it on your head with your 993 New Balance on. Or you was, you know, that joint had a little string and you just had to draw it on up. your back. You uh-huh. know what I'm saying? Then they had to the, like the Johnny Cage jumps that folded. Folded up. Yeah, I think those came from Kings of Man. Those the ones that came from Kings of uh-huh, Man. They folded. It up. was some sombreros that they were selling at Beeline. Uh, they was yeah, they was selling all up over there the behind place. Wendy's. I'm telling and you. And niggas used to like uh like take the the brim of them jumps and like kind of like rip them up a little bit. Uh huh. And it look all rugged. It look yeah, it look rugged. You look like like the scarecrow or a hobo or something like that. Were, were you caught up in that at a young age of? trying to form a little clique and y'all trying to prove yourselves or was it all funny games? Mm. I never wanted to be in that type of trouble. 
That's what that's what's up. Growing up, I always loved the music way more than I never wanted to be known as a tough dude. I always wanted to be known as uh, like John John the singer or the drummer or you know he got the song. Like I never wanted to be a, a street credited dude. But growing up in that era, growing up in that time, you had to fight somebody. You had to with your hands, with your hands, you know. Right. But it that was a special time because people was able to fight with their hands. You might bust somebody up. I mean, yeah. crush them. Or you might get busted up, but the next week, man, y'all might slap, slap five and then, you know, split a 40 at the cookout or be yeah. shooting dice together next week. Or, you know, he might buy a pit from your uncle and then, you know, y'all ride bikes together or something, you know, just that small knit community. So I never wanted to be bad. I never wanted to hurt nobody. But when you grow up in that environment, sometimes people have a problem with you. You're going to have to, you know, stay on your ground. But... As far as forming clicks and going around and doing a bunch of wild stuff, nah, that was never me. Well, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't have an older brother, but my friends had older brothers, and they had already like made a name for our neighborhood. So you know, we wasn't gonna tolerate any type of disrespect from outsiders coming in our neighborhood. And a lot of times, if we had like a little beef, they settle it with the boxing gloves right. or, you know, make a slap box right. and stuff like that. And it wasn't, you know, I don't think it was disrespectful. I think it was just trying to make us into men. You know what I'm saying? They they instilled a, a, a level of respect in me that I carry to this day. Now, elementary school, how was it for you at elementary school then? Like, elementary school for me was rough because I didn't go to school reading most children went to school reading already. Uh-huh. I didn't go to school reading. What you mean? Explain yourself. I didn't go to, when I went to school. I didn't know how to spell my name. I didn't know how to spell cat, the rat, bat. So did you ran. get help with that? Like, I mean, I was devastated because it was like going to school one day and everyone was sitting around reading and I was like how was everybody reading like that like I'm looking at the same book everybody reading and it was just like I realized man I'm in deep trouble I don't know how to read and it was heartbreaking because other children their parents took that time to teach them how to read before school my parents never taught me so I didn't go to school reading I went to school behind playing catch up from day one so school for me in elementary it was very discouraging and then I knew that it was a fine line between the children in Gum Springs and then the children back there behind 400 Road. Right. I knew we lived in little little shoebox little shoebox homes, and these people lived in these nice houses, you know. So I knew right away something was different. I knew I knew we were the less fortunate. Let people. me ask you something. Did y'all ever take field trips to the houses that were on Fort Hunt Road, like all the little white kids' houses? Yeah, you might walk to their house. We and used to do that shit, yeah, too. And that yeah. shit used to blow me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, I used to be like, damn, this is what it's like to be white. Like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? You got a stay-at-home wife that's uh-huh. cooking, baking cookies for the elementary school kids and yeah. shit with the swimming pool in the backyard. Yeah. Like, and we really going to, like, uh-huh. field trips yeah. to somebody's house? Yeah. Like, what the they order pizza and run around and you know i think that it it was it was fucked up but in a way it was cool because it exposed me to 
the world you know when you grow up in an environment where you know it just seems like you're confined to your neighborhood and your neighborhood is your own world mm -hmm. you don't know how broad the world is outside of that neighborhood mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you know when you finally do see that it gives you that push to go out there and try to mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying make it and see the world you know what i mean but yeah man I mean, so, it's either two ways. Either it's going... Some people were motivated. Like, when I get older, I'm going to have a house. I'm going to have a family. Right. I'm not going to do drugs, you know. I'm going to succeed. And then other people are like, man, I ain't never going to be able to make it. The white people own everything. Or, man, we broke. We ain't got nothing, you know. But... Yeah. A lot of bright people have come out of Gum Springs. A lot of lawyers and doctors and great professors. It's all kind of wide spectrum of people have come out of Gump Springs. It's not just one little spectrum of people that come out of there. I mean, majority of the people that come out of there, I mean, some people don't make it out. Yeah. But it's teachers and 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 school principals and preachers and, you know, uh, all kind of good people that come out of Gump Springs, though, at the end of the day. Right. You know? So, even though we grew up in a all-black community, Going to the elementary school that we went to, it was either black or white, white and yeah. I got to, you know, befriend some white folks, you know what I'm saying? And um, and it being diverse in that regard, like, the teachers that was there was phenomenal, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And would you say that you had that same experience? Yes. It's teachers that, you know, I remember to this day, you know oh, what yeah, I mean? yeah, I know names. And I don't know if... Um, you know, we had those type of teachers in the world right now. Was Mr. Bruiser the gym kid. teacher when you were there? Oh, yeah, Mr. Bruiser. Mr. <laughs> Bruiser. Mr. Bruiser looked exactly like what his name was. Sid, he psychos. looked like he'd be like, like beat motherfuckers up. Like, he was like a, a, a 80s PE teacher for real. Like, he had the, uh, the, the man the, the with the shag, shag in the back, the 80s shag in the back. And that nigga always had an attitude. And he was like, you guys, you need a motherfucker. Okay, I think he talked like that. Yeah, Mr. Bruiser. And he used to make us climb up that fucking the rope. rope. Yeah, with the knots. It was some motherfuckers in there that I was like, they about to be some like military snipers when they grow up because they got up that rope like pium. You know, it ain't nothing faster than pium, yeah. Like, <laughs> I remember Mr. Bruiser. So then, if Mr. Bruiser was there. Then Mr. Adams was the was the. Uh, the janitor, Mr. Adams. Mr. Adams, he old had ass, the glasses. Old ass white man. He wasn't old. Was he? He was old. He was. It was he skinny. Yeah, skinny, slender, tall. tall. Yeah. yeah, Mr. Adams. Damn dog, then, Mr. Adams. Then, then if, Mr. If, Mr. if Mr. Adams was there, then Miss Tank was the nurse. Yeah, Miss Tank. Okay, Miss Elmore was a little short, fat white uh -huh, lady, right? That's Elmore. And she always, she was kind of, she was cool. She was mean, but though. she was mean. Yeah. Though. She, you know. So Miss Bove was there too then. Miss Bove, I remember um, her. Excuse me, come here, young man. I don't remember what she looked like, but she, you know what I'm saying? Miss Elmore and Miss Bove was homies. Yeah. Uh -huh. I think at, at when 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 I was in elementary school, their class was right next door to to each other, uh -huh. and they had like a room divider, and they used to open the oh, room yeah. up and shit. The great door jump. Yeah. Oh, you just messed me up. They slide yeah. it back, and yeah. you can look. Oh, <laughs> young. Wow. I spent a lot of time at the pencil shop and this shit. I was oh, like, man, this shit boring no. as fuck. Like, I gotta sharpen my pencil thirty five times. So in music class. That used to be my favorite shit, man. So Miss Chaffee was the music teacher. I think. I 
don't remember. We had Miss Chaffee. But we had the little bongos and we thought they was Congos oh, in our mind. You know what I'm saying? We was ready to hit a pocket beat. It's like, all right, young, you on the triangle. I'm on the bongos. Yeah, it wasn't like that with y'all, yeah. We yeah, had the had xylophone, man. We thought we was junkyard. Yeah, they had the xylophone up there. Then they used to have guitars lined up on the the wall of the room. We ain't had them junk. Yeah, we had like 20 guitars just lined up. So did you uh, exercise, you know what I'm saying, your musical talents in elementary school? Yeah, or? elementary school. So did y'all have talent shows when y'all was in there? Yes, we did. Were you in any of the talent shows? Yes, I was. What were you doing in the talent shows? Playing the guitar I had The teacher let me Borrow a guitar And I like Took it home Uh huh And I learned how to play The uh The, the bride's Theme song The dum 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 uh-huh. Like I had just Took it home And that's the first thing I learned how to play Was that Okay And then I just Kept playing Making up stuff on it And went to a little Talent show with that joint Man Everybody clapped And ever since then I was like Oh yeah, man! If you do music, people like you. And okay. then listening to Go Go like back and seeing how respected those guys was for just playing music, I wanted I wanted people to to like me like that, you know. So when did the hip hop or the rapping come in? Honestly, honestly, I've been freestyling since like kindergarten. So what you mean? Be just freestyling, just cause we had Dr. Seuss back then, right? So he was already. Rhyming like you know the cat in the hat, he got too fat, you know. So it uh-huh. wasn't nothing to just to hear that and then you know just want to rhyme. And then we used to beat on the table a lot back then too. Beating on the table was kids would get suspended because they couldn't stop beating on the table. So if one person beat on the table and the other person rap, man, it was like wow. And that got girls and stuff like that at, in, in the cafeteria, you know. The little cute girls liked you if you could rhyme on the beat. Uh-huh. So I was always encouraged to either sing or rhyme or just be just be seen. And that, with the music, just encouraged with it. Right. So y'all was having little cyphers and shit. Yeah, I'm, way back then. Where was this at? In the cafeteria? Or? In the cafeteria and on the bus. We used to bang on the side of the bus. Okay. Yeah, back in the day, man. Mm. So, when did that transition into, like, did you battle people at school after nah, that? Nah, nah, nothing like that. Nah, not so, elementary school. So, when did that start? Like, <clears throat> like middle school, because Freestyle Friday had came on the scene, so... Free, was, freestyle Friday where? At school? BET, or? BET. Okay. BET was Freestyle Fridays. Right. So people started going to punchlines, became popular. Uh-huh. I don't, I don't, I'm quite sure it was probably real popular way before in places like New York and New Jersey where hip hop was always there. Right. But it got down to us through BET around like 99, 2000. And then people was joining with, on the beat, like frying people, but on rhythm and on sync with the beat. Uh-huh. Yeah, that joint was popular. If you could do that in school, you was you was you was the bee's knees if you could do that. Okay. So like seventh grade. Seventh grade. Was people like making you battle other people or Yeah, that. That people would talk about 
like you be in the cafeteria and they be like, hey man, that dude said his mama's so fat that if she jump in the sky, she got stuck. You know, like people will remember your punchline. People would like you. It was almost like being famous, like a superstar. People would be like, hey, aren't you the guy that said um, this, 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 and this, and this, and this? And it was like props. So okay. people liked you. Not everybody could do that. Right. This area is more musically. Like you might play the keyboard here or be a drummer here or play the congos here right. or sing real good. Not a lot of hip-hop rappers. Right, right. So when did the band come into play? Band, band. I was in eighth grade. Eighth grade. Eighth grade. Um... Gum Springs Community Center had basically they had instruments. Somebody donated like keyboard, congos, and some older kids was playing first. Older boys. They was all in like ninth grade, tenth grade. Like Joe Ice, um, my man Marlo, my other man Bobby. Older dudes. These dudes are a little bit older than me. Right. And they had a band first, and then at the time, Yanni and Kelly, Kells, mm-hmm. they were all doing go-go music too. Yanni mainly, and Yanni was like, y'all need to let him be in y'all band, because John John can rap, he can sing, and he can play too. Right. So let just let him play. And at Gum Springs Community Center, we had a little room back there we were rehearsing. And that's when I always, always knew I wanted to be in a band. From the first time I heard Junkyard and Backyard and people like that, right. I was like, man, I, I, I can do that. I can get up there and sing. Coming from church, if you can sing at church, if you can sing at church, you can sing anywhere. Some of the, the greatest acts in the world come from church. What was it like the first time that y'all performed? Did y'all do a good job the first time y'all performed? Or did y'all bomb? Or? Nah, we cranked. Okay, where was it at the first we time? We played at Bell Haven. Uh-huh. Up there in Huntington. Uh-huh. It's a little rec room back up in there. One of them streets. You go back up in there. It's a yeah, little, yeah. It's K- like a, Kizzy and them used to live over there. Uh-huh. It's like a little open yeah. rec. It's like a little room. You go in there. It's a kitchen. Back in the day, man. Back yeah. in the day. and uh, So everybody was up there? Everybody was up there. The little butts was up there? Oh, man. They was goosing you after that? Hey, I had, a, I had smoked a roach, and I was smack off a roach, though. Is that the first time you smoked? Yeah. I was like 12, 11. I was like 11 years old. Yeah. And I was nervous as shit, you know? You was nervous when after you smoked or before you smoked? Before I was in the back and I was like, hey man, how my part go again? I was so nervous, I kept forgetting my part. Yeah, yeah. And they was like, John John, just sing, I ain't mad at you. You know how it goes. It's gonna be a pocket. And I was like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And somehow they was hitting a J in the back and like, I was like, can I hit that jump? And niggas kept like ignoring me. But then somebody just gave me the roach, like the last corner of it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And Friday was out too, so I was driving geek to smoke the J because Friday was out right. and all that. Right. Promoting smoking and whatnot. And I remember hitting that J. I was like, oh, I was fried. And I remember going back in and looking, peeping around the curtains and looking at the crowd. And it was everybody from the hood. Everybody. Yes. Young people, old people, niggas, moms, everybody was there. 
And I right. was like, wow, people really care about Go-Go. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. everybody wants to be there. I mean, we came out, we was called the Urban Prospects Band. Okay. Then, 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 then. We hit the Tupac Jones. I ain't mad at you. You was in the zone? I was the singer. I'm saying you was in the yes, zone. Yes, I was in the zone. Roach. Yeah, I hit that little roach. I seen all the cute girls from around the way. I was like, oh. So that's when you became a go-go uh, star. Yeah. And you know what I'm Everybody saying? Everybody knew who I was. So like, you, I was size. You got, you got, you know what I'm saying? You got the good smoke in you. The band was cranking. The band was Everything cranking. was in sync. So it you kind of fell in the pocket with it. I felt good. I was like, man, I went home. I couldn't even sleep. I was so yeah. high off the concert. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't even sleep. I just stood up all night waiting to get to school so everybody could be like, hey, young, I heard you play. Like, yeah. just geeked up. Is that what happened? Yeah. When you went back to school? I went back to school and everybody was geeked. Like, all the girls was like, you in a band? I was like, yeah. They was like, oh, you the singer? I was like, yeah, I'll be singing. <laughs> Trying to make my voice sound cool and shit. Man. Them was the good days. You laughing, but nigga, I felt cool, man. I already know, Slim. I was in a band in high school. I felt and cool. I felt the same way. Like when you go to lunch, nigga, everybody be wanting to sit with you and shit. <laughs> we first time we played was at somebody else's hood in, in, in Green Valley. Arlington? Yeah. Oh, at Day Rex Center. That's a hood, nigga. Yeah. Y'all at James Lee? I don't know what it's called, wow. but you I know, know they own a rec center. You know wow. what I'm saying? So we we opened up for um, the Intensity Band. Okay. And then they 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 what changed their this? name to Good and Plenty. Uh, with my man Kool Aid in the gym. You know what I'm saying? Kool Aid from the highway. He had this birthmark on his face. I remember him, light skin guy. Light skin dude, cool yeah. Rose. Yeah. He used to be in front of Grandma's building sometimes. Yeah. He smoked yeah. jacks. I mean, everybody smoked jacks back then. Okay, yeah. yeah, he used to smoke jacks. I remember him. He had the big birthmark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But right here, though. Yep. Yeah. So fast forward to the to the to the hip hop shit. Like, what happened with the band? Like, why did y'all break up? Oh, our managers. He took everything from us. Mm. Um, I don't really want to say his name or nothing like that. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know who's gonna hear this, but he took he took a lot. He took everything from from us. Never uh -huh. paid us nothing. He made a lot of money. Um, we was playing at the Blackout, which was a boxing gym in Annandale. Yeah, I used to box there a little bit. And um, that joint can house like three hundred people. That standing. joint was hot as shit in there. Very though. hot. It smelled like the eighties. It smelled like gloves and booty and mumbo sauce all in the front. <laughs> But uh, I mean, no lie. People like TCB came. Yeah. Um, Reaction came. Um, Tob, AAO, ABM. Hmm. Um, all all those bands came. FBI, CIA. F, F, nah, it ain't a real band. I'm about to say this shit. <laughs> Go ahead, Mo. You said a whole bunch. How about of FBI, y'all? They was there. <laughs> CIA, yeah. Hey, young, you crazy? Crazy in Anacostia. <laughs> Children in Anacostia <laughs> Chicken and Anacostia But yeah, yeah For real I hate to sound ignorant But when the ladies When the ladies Bama's let the ladies distract them 
Mm. Let me say that. What you mean by that? Man, Bama's used to geek up. Like, it'd be, it be band, our band meeting, but we met up to go to band rehearsal. We went to band rehearsal all the way out Maryland, right? Uh-huh. Richie Marlboro, right? I think that's what it's called, right? Richie Road or something? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Way up Maryland. So we go out there. We meet at Chipotle. And we be like, hey, man, it's, it's, it's band practice time. You know, where you at? Oh, I'm with this girl. You know, I met last night at the blackout. And Bama's mm-hmm. just got engulfed in the girls. And then a couple of Bama's got girls pregnant from the go-go. And Damn, that's so Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Bama's was one of my mans. He had like a couple girls pregnant from the go-go. You know what I'm saying? Like, then that changed the game. Because once you have babies, you can't play no more. And you need to get a job now. So right. a lot of things changed. That Bama started falling out over girls. Man, I messed with her first. And man, woo, 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 woo. We never got no money. So I'm not going to say money got involved. We mm. never got no money. But... I can honestly truly say that our manager made thousands. Thousands. He ain't make millions. He ain't never pay y'all no never money. no money though. Never. Never. God is my witness, man. I'm not even hyping it up. Anybody that went to the blackout can tell you around that time. The fuck? That junk used to sell out. Like for real. Your brother would tell you. Like, I remember our manager counting thousands of dollars. Thousands mm. of dollars. I'm talking about Ten, fifteen thousand dollars in one night, cause it's twenty to get in. Then it's twenty to cut the line, twenty-five to cut the line. Then when you get in there, it's three dollars for a bottle of water. It's four dollars for a can of soda. So you gonna buy that at the go-go? I mean, we ain't gonna really get into uh, you know the management situation because you know, like you said, you don't know who listening, but. That, what I'm saying is Go-Go's that, make money. A lot yeah. of people think that Go-Go's don't make money. Oh, no, shit. Go-Go bands pull money in. Big G, you know, them guys, them upper bands, they they pull crowds. Crowds make money, so. Oh, we know. <laughs> we know. We know. You know what I'm saying? We missed out on some bread, man. I'm, that's all I'm saying. I'm just saying, like, you know, y'all was young and y'all didn't know no We better. didn't know. But now, you know what I'm saying, like, sometimes, man, like, that teach you the game. When you young and he bought us out with things too. Okay. He bought us shirts and um he gave some Bama shoes and he bought a lot of them dudes out. Me, I was in it because I loved it. Right. I loved it. I loved it. Honestly, I wasn't even tripping off money the first six months singing. I just mm-hmm. love being there to play. It's not like rehearsing one week knowing that Friday night. You're going to perform in front of 200, 300 people that you go to school with, people that you see on the train, people you see on the bus. I mm-hmm. loved it. I loved it. So I wasn't really tripping off of it. But to anybody out there listening, man, don't give up on your dreams. It's local money you can get. People love go-go. People love to come out to events. So if you ever think about being an event planner or managing groups in this area, don't sleep. It's money here. It's a lot of money in this area for for the enterprise of music and entertainment. Don't sleep in this area, regardless of what uh, other people might say. Get your paper, man. Keep on hustling. You know what I'm saying? Oh, man. So did the <coughs> recording of the hip-hop start immediately after that, or was that a little bit of time? Well, how did that For come real? About? 
when I was working with the band, that's when you sort of got interested in me. And you was like, hey, man, you want to make music, remember? Right, but I thought y'all was already recording with, like, Devin and shit like that before that. Devin, Devin, Devin. I mean, every now and then I was doing something, but outside of Gogo, I ain't really start working on music, like, in depth until we linked up. And then we started working on the first album, that the first project we was creating. So but, how did that make you feel, like, when we was, like, doing that? Like, you know what I'm saying? How was that? How was that experience, and how was that experience different from the GoGo situation? GoGo was just playing. You just bring your talents, and you just stay in your lane. If you the singer, just sing. If you the drummer, just play drums. Mm-hmm. If you <coughs> keyboard player, just play keys. <coughs> you stay in your lane. But when we linked up and started doing music, music, you had to work on a little bit of everything. You had to write your own lyrics, and 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 we made the beats and then you had to learn how to count your bars and uh when to start playing with the metronome and how to use the mpc and all that type of stuff so i learned a lot of technical things because <coughs> in gogo when you in the band they got a sound man he you just stay in your lane in gogo that's right. all gogo is whatever your job is that's what you do nothing more nothing less right so more when we start working on music, I gained a better understanding about what it takes to make an album, first of all. Okay. So that's did you already know how to structure your mute like your bars and all of that stuff before we started to make music or is that something that I taught you or like cause I knew that you were shocked with the freestyle shit, but No, counting bars <laughs> is you, you showed me. Not to brag, but when you have the background of a musician first Right, you know, playing at church and stuff like that first, it helps lay the the foundation is easier laid when you already have a foundation there, versus trying to build up a foundation with somebody, you know, saying hey this is a bar okay and this is a measure and this is a note, we didn't have to start there. You was like you know what a bar is right and I was like yeah you know what measures are yeah you know what this is okay well this is this many measures to do this. You know, we're going to do four counts and then we'll play for eight bars and then we'll stop. You know what I'm saying? Right. So being in a go-go band, believe it or not, they do count bars. They do count measurements. So when we got together, I knew a little something, but you helped me get more in depth, a more understanding on how top producers and record recorders are, how they're doing it. Working with you showed me, oh, this is how uh, uh, Prodigy or... um, um, the Alchemist Or this is how Dr. Dre Or Battle Cat Make beats with the NPC Oh okay This is why you Tap 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 And then you play And then oh This is pre-roll And oh This is reverb On the voice And this is Doubling And this is Punching in You know what I'm saying A lot of people Hear that stuff But they don't know what it, A lot of rappers Can't count bars A lot of musicians Can't count measurements Well a lot of Rappers And shit these days can't do any of that shit they just go in and start freestyling you know what i'm saying i believe that if you have foundation that you can do anything with it after that like you can just you know break the house down and rebuild it right since you already have the The foundation foundation, right i've been times we record and you was like nah man nah man nah man nah man and i like bro you just doing this just to be mean and you was like nah nigga like it's gotta be this it's times I feel like you was just erasing it, like, like I'm sitting there looking at you erase it, like the whole little bar, <laughs> vocals gone, 
clean like bruh what was you saying nah <laughs> you what you need to rap with yourself back on this part you wasn't on tune with this part like you was here and people don't want to hear that but now when i go places man like not even to brag like <clears throat> i can go anywhere and do music and they be like dang man he laid that joint down in one take or man he he made a hook in one take like Oh my God! He he laid down sixteen and the hook came right in one time. Like people don't believe it, but you tell them like, man, just count the bars. You know what I'm saying? And once you count the bars, it tells you when the hook is supposed to be arriving, and it helps you be able to say certain things that coincide when the hook comes on. Like I'm something, something, so something, something. Like cats don't know how to do that, but you gotta study and. But you can't study nothing wrong. You got to have somebody that know what they doing. Put you on the game. You know, you was that person. So, at the same time, you don't give your you don't give your game to somebody that's not going to cherish it. You give right. your game to somebody that's really wanting to soak it up. Right. And learn from it. So, yeah, working with, working with you set the tempo for me going to anybody's studio. So, when we was working together, how was that energy like as far as like fans and stuff like that that was tight differed from the go-go scene or did it differ it did because everybody in the go-go band stopped working after go-go everyone was devastated when the band broke up a lot of people don't realize that when go-go bands break up like if you love it you're devastated you know cause it's like you broke up with your girl yeah yeah and I didn't even realize that Like once the Go-Go Band broke up man I started getting into some dark stuff I started dabbling in the drugs And just being weird And just ducked off It was like we was rich and famous Well we ain't had no money But it was like we was so famous around town Like everybody loved our little band And then once that joint broke up it was It was ugly But working with you kept me alive Because most of the people I was working with In the band they quit They stopped working on music Right. Nobody wasn't doing nothing no more. I was the only one still working on music, and a lot of people respected me for it when we did the Jimmy Lee video. So do you think that you still experienced the level of fame when we were working together? Because I was having motherfuckers come up to me. They was like, yeah, that video that you did, that John was tired. I'm like, dude, it was left. Like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. <laughs> but see, you feel like that because... You know, when you, when you, when you, I ain't gonna say when you leave the hood, but when you don't live around the hood every day, you can be from there, but different people move there. Yeah. Different people that you don't know move there, or sometimes you leave the hood and the Bama that was little, he grew up and you don't recognize him. So, and then you putting the hood on, people excited to see you. Like, you putting on where Bama's live. Like, they feel good about that. So, Alabama gonna wanna come shake your hand at Walmart. He gonna wanna walk down on you at, in the check cashing line or something, whatever, because you putting on for the hood. But um, I loved it, man. When we did the Jimmy Lee joint, like people was geeked up off that shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, little kids. That's that's what made me know that we had something special when. The little kids knew the words to the shit And they were excited You know what I'm saying Like anytime that kids sing your song If it's easy enough for them to know the words to it And intricate enough for the hood Or grown people to love it 
that's when you know you have something special. special yeah. It's about creating content that everybody can relate to and celebrating those that made an impact around the hood. Like you, you know what I'm saying? That's why I'm interviewing you right now. That's real shit though. You know that's, what I mean? I appreciate that. I really do, man. That, that, that blesses my heart, man. That makes me feel good about who I am and the talents that God has blessed me with. But it takes a special person. You, you got to be able to listen too. Cause sometimes when you're talented, what spoils it is if you can't take advice. Yeah, that's and true. a lot of talented people they can't take advice, and it spoils the talent. What, what if what if you would have? We, we, what if the times we went to go perform, you would have said, John, just go out there and talk and break the crowd, and then we gonna do this. And I was like, Nah, man, not me. You do it. See, now it's messing up the flow. Yeah. So. You're it right. takes another special person to be able to see the talented person and then say, hey, look, you do this. Because, see, everybody want to be in the front. Right. You got to think about what's best for the team. Right. You and the person you're performing with. So you might be the brains behind the operation, but this Bama know how to crack a joke or his voice is just going to break the ice, you know? So I appreciate that, man. But I've learned a lot from you as well, you know? Um... I learned a lot about how to, you know, etiquette, relationships. You know, when you go certain studios and you meet certain people, first thing a lot of people want to do is jump up and talk or jump up and get on the keyboard or jump up and get on the mic. Ah! Right, right. And you was one of the few people that was like, man, you know, people are going to want to hear what you have to do if you conduct yourself accordingly, you know, and... um Everywhere you go, man, you you supposed to learn something. A lot of it is following the, you know, if if you got a girl and she looks good, right, and you say, hey babe, go over there and talk to the bartender. Yeah. And she go over there and say hi and talk to him and she's friendly. He gonna strongen up the drinks, you know, yeah. stuff yeah. like that, you know. Hey baby, go back there and, and thank the cooks, you know. He didn't put an extra piece of steak on the plate. It ain't about pimping her out, but part of being. Part of being hip and part of being with the crew and being gang gang is knowing when to when to take orders when it's given because you can't see everything every time. Right. You don't know everything every time. Sometimes the person's telling you to do something because they know what the game is. They've been here before and they got turned down before. But if you play it like this, right. we could get in. You know, John, go up there and sing to the lady at the door. You know, or Tony, go up there and compliment the lady at the door. Or you know, woo woo woo. You got to use the right man for the right job. Everybody got to play their part. And yeah. I know some talented people, boy, but they can't. They, they, they not on time for nothing. They can't keep their word. You know, um, they, they they money whores. Sometimes, sometimes, man, it ain't about money. Sometimes it's about the experience and the knowledge that you can learn from, a, from, from the situation, man. So for what we was doing at that time, it was dope. I mean... Only a few songs I still like. Everything else is kind of weird to me because I was going through such a dark period in my life then. It's like, what the heck was I talking about? But it's it's timeless. It's it's a classic. Yeah. I wish I wish that that album could have been put out and promoted and pushed properly. I don't know. People could have called it a, a classic. I mean. No one from the highway has really, really dropped a self-produced and self-proclaimed album. Nobody ever. No. 
So we was gonna hold the title just for putting it out as nigga, we the first ones that made a duo and produced this whole album and put it out. Right. So I don't know. I was I was very uh discouraged that it didn't go as far as we intended it to go, you know, for whatever reason. Right. I don't remember all the stipulations, you know. I put I put a lot of stuff behind me, you know, because it's music and you lose a lot of friends with music. Yeah. The business, the music, the hype. You lose loved ones to it. It's a dirty game. Hip hop is timeless itself. You just gotta appreciate the fan base that you are in and the fan base that you create it's a lot of niggas out here that's doing the Chirac shit and that's cool but even though Prodigy is gone Havoc is still here so like it's still a Mob Deep and it's still a, a, a M.O.P. and it's still cast like Jay-Z and it's still cast like Scarface and you ain't gonna find that shit unless they got protégés out here you know what I'm saying like so you gotta appreciate that and if you still a fan of that type of music support it you know what I'm saying like because it's still a lane for that you know what yeah, I mean yeah and uh I ain't about to jump on stage and scream and drink a lot of lean and pop Xanax and all that shit I'm going to uh create some shit that's gonna stimulate the left part of your brain you know what I'm saying or make your motherfucking neck snap back you know what i'm saying or you know put you in a pocket or make you feel funky you know what i'm saying like some shit that you can hit a j to or just chill you know what i'm saying with your lady or just ride down the street to and mob to you feel me like that's the type of music that me and this man john you know what i'm saying put out there so if you're a fan of that man support that man and you know we we trying man you know what i'm saying but we got it. We got to stay in the groove. You know what I'm saying? Man, it ain't over. You know, definitely we, we, not. We are we are two type of very special people, man. We we never stop learning. We never stop progressing. You know, and that's why we still so very young. You know, that's why young people like us. That's why we can go to cookouts and everybody wants to laugh and be around us because we never was like, oh, I'm 30, so I ain't cool no more. I'm not gonna listen to the newest artist or check out the newest pair of shoes like. I mean, this man is forever progressing and forever doing stuff, and and man, the people love it, man. People love what we what we've done in the past, and and people are gonna really love what we what we're gonna do in the near future, man. And um, I'm excited, man. Oh man, we already got some slaps that's ready for y'all. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, you know, I guess, man. You know, we about to wrap it up with that, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, stay tuned to the radio station that's gonna be playing the slaps. If you got some slap, man, hit me up. You know what I'm saying? Hit us up. 41zoneent at gmail.com. You know what I'm saying? Submit your uh, songs or whatever to play on the radio station. Yeah. We in the process of doing that right now. Yeah. You know, I hope y'all fuck with the podcast, man. You know what I'm saying? Next time, you know, I don't know. Maybe we interview you. You know what I'm saying? Hit us up, man. 41zoneent at gmail.com. Yeah. www.41zone.com. 41zone TV on YouTube, man. John John and Tony Tone. We out. Peace.